welcome to Amnesty International's comedy podcast series. This year, Amnesty's had exclusive backstage access at two of the biggest events on the comedy calendar, the 2014 Edinburgh Festival Fringe and the Balham Comedy Festival in London. We'll be bringing you a series of interviews with some of the greatest stand-up comedians working today, and along with finding out about the business of laughter, we'll be chatting about life, politics and human rights. This time, we're joined by author and comedian Mark Steele, who writes his set as he tours different towns. He reveals why FIFA's bad for football and how stadiums have lost their soul. Welcome, Mark Steele. Thank you for speaking to Amnesty International at the very hot Balham Comedy Festival this evening. I've just seen your brilliant show, Mark Steele's in Town. Really fantastic stuff, and it's, it's got quite a unique kind of premise to it and I was just hoping you could explain a little bit to our listeners and I know it's kind of the tour's been going on for a bit and it's going on into well, the, the idea, as well. The, the idea of the show Mark Steele's in town that I first had was that there is something that I, I just find brilliantly delightful about the, the difference between everywhere in Britain that one town is so different from the place up the road and I love those little quirks I love the fact that Oh, you, know, you go to Barnsley and it's different from Huddersfield. Folkestone is different from Margate. And the little things that, every, that, that make it different and distinct. In a world where everything's being made to look the same, you know, the shopping centres make everywhere look identical, the ring road and so on, the multi-storey car park, the, the garages just as you're going out of town and so on. Oh, that'll be where the industrial estate is. That's where the retail park is with the curries and the dreams and what have you everything looks identical and yet people retain these beautiful little quirky bits that make a place individual and I just I just love all that really and if you can find out as much as you can about must be a lot of research well it 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 can be it depends how much you want to you know like anything it is if you I do a radio show where I do spend sort of several weeks uh, or getting obsessed with some little town in Norwich or whatever but uh, I think even in a day you can get some sense of it um, have you had any real stand- I mean, for example I, I was just trying to think I was in Hartford when I do a live show somewhere I sort of spend the day there and you, you, I was in Hartford I think this is a good example and I noticed four or five people said to me we got two stations in Hartford you know and they were very, very proud. proud of this <laughs> And so I just started off the show by saying, um, I love the town motto here. We've got two stations in Hartford, you know. I bet you haven't got two in London, have you? What do we have to make do with just the one? <laughs> two in Hartford, see? And uh, it's always possible that they're just going to go, what are you talking about? But they didn't. They all went for it. And everywhere's got these little quirky bits. And then you can find out about the history of it and what the issues are at the, at the place at that time there's always there's always a load of things you don't always get it right sometimes you know and where have you sort of found the funniest people on this journey no, no, there's, no it's, it's not there's not a place where people are funnier you know that stuff all the Liverpool people have got the best sense of humour or Newcastle or whatever I mean that's not you know it, I don't notice any one place where people are particularly I mean, the only sort of place where you can be guaranteed going down well, the more remote place. You know, I remember going to Orkney and getting a standing ovation before I'd done anything. 
And uh, uh, the only logic of that was that they were just thinking, that, let's cheer this bloke, he's got here. <laughs> he's, <laughs> that must be, I think I said, you know, that must be what the reviews say of shows up there. Yeah. That was a fantastic performance because they got here <laughs> last year. The, the show that was performing Twelfth Night got to Inverness and went back. That is something like an Orkney accent, as I remember. <laughs> it's got a bit of Norwegian in it. You know, it was rolled by the Norwegians. <laughs> it was. And it actually sounds a bit of Norwegian. And they've got, uh, it was, oh, this actually, I've got it in a book. I didn't do it tonight. But at one point, Orkney was ruled by a Norwegian Viking called Torfin the Skull Splitter. Right? <laughs> and I've got a book there, Who Was Who in Orkney? And under Torfin the Skull Splitter, it says, Little is known of Torfin the Skull Splitter, though from his name it's believed he may have been violent. <laughs> Brilliant. Any scope to go abroad? Mark Steele's a town in... Very nice, wouldn't it? I'm not sure it'd work, though, you know, Mark Steele's in the Caribbean. <laughs> I'm not sure it'd work. Day. I don't think it'd... I think I'd struggle in America because the towns aren't necessarily so distinct. I might be wrong about that. Um, whether they've got the same... Yeah, they're, yeah, Quirkiness. Quirkiness, yeah. I don't know. It's possible... But also, I think in America they're not always quite so ready to mm. understand that they're that the things they do to the outsider look ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> but I'm not sure about that. That might be being, you know, un, unfair. And places that don't speak English, I'd have to learn the language. I'd have to be go all Eddie Izzard. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure I've got his dedication to l- <laughs> learn Cantonese in order to do half a dozen gigs in the. You know, Canton, <laughs> or wherever they speak Cantonese. So, am I right that another passion of yours is sport? And mm. I understand that you've written some articles um, which have been a bit critical about the World Cup um, in Brazil and its effect on the population, the decision to host the, the World Cup in Qatar. Um, and recently we interviewed Eric Cantona and he said that the decision that... Um, that FIFA chose to have the next right. World Cup in Qatar sort of shows they don't really care about sport. What do you think of that? No, they don't care about sport. Well, that's brilliant if Eric Cantona said that. I know yeah. he's been more and more sort of outspoken, hasn't he? And yeah. supporting he uh, all sorts of protests and stuff. Yeah, yeah. amazing. I'm, I suspect that's not entirely unconnected to the fact that he made a film with Ken Loach and that uh, uh, Ken Loach had an effect on him. But, uh, but I would... Um, oh, I think it's... It's almost like a, a dual sin for the sports lover that people like Sepp Blatter exist because politically what they do is horrible. Um, I mean, but his deputy, whose name mm. I can't quite remember begins with V, uh, his deputy at FIFA said, we prefer working with dictatorships than with countries where there's a democracy. I mean, he wasn't joking. Yeah, yeah, no, he said that. Have a look, have a look that up. Mm. Um, because I think his name's Flenky. Anyway, I can't remember. But, uh, but of course, of course, that's that's the case mm. because there's more likely to be people going, "Hang on a minute, you know this? How, how many billions? Mm. What you're moving people out of their mm. homes? Mm. You're you're not allowing them any say. You're smashing their 
the, the any attempt they make to even publicise the fact that you're you're doing this. And it's not good for sport either. I mean, that Maracana Stadium, I'm only going by what people have said, you know, but people I trust have said who've written about it. It was a beautiful stadium that was local and quirky and Brazilian and it, it sort of reeked of mm. Brazil mm. and what they loved about football and it being the people's game and all that sort of thing, which was always overblown to a certain extent, but it was a stadium of the people. And now it's one of just another solar stadium that could be anywhere. And I went up to Manchester United last year to Old Trafford because uh, Crystal Palace were in the Premier League and uh, it doesn't happen very often. And I couldn't believe how soulless it was. And the Palace end, everyone was diving about and singing and hollering and we got completely thrashed, but, you know, no one minded. It was awful. There was an announcement just before the kickoff that, that it, boom, boom, we would like to uh, announce that we are very happy that this week a business deal was completed <laughs> with um, a Japanese company called something or other fermentation, something or other fermentation, and we are very proud to announce that members of the board of such and such fermentation uh, limited are with us today and we are sure that you will give them the welcome that uh, we all wish smatter of applause about three minutes before kickoff what the hell is this we come to a board <laughs> meeting by mistake and um uh, and of course set blatter takes that you know fifa take that to another yeah. another level, and they they one of their rules is that when um, that when the World Cup is granted to a country, that they have to have FIFA quality stadiums. Mm. And interestingly, the protests were demanding uh, FIFA quality transport, FIFA quality hospitals, and FIFA quality schools. They, yeah, for the people. Very, very yeah, funny, very yeah. good. When FIFA set up a council of wise men to oversee its global sort of reach and and perspective coming up to the, the World Cup. There were four people on the Council of Wise Men. Do you know who one of them was? Henry Kissinger. Mm. He's on FIFA's Council of Wise Men. Mm. Bloke who yeah. wisely managed to secretly bomb Cambodia. It's an insult to sport, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that might not seem the you know the most poignant issue when you're talking about vast numbers of people's lives and so on. But it it does it makes the world worse in that way as well because you, you sort of think. Um, I think I put in the article, didn't I? It's sort of yeah, you know, I love the World Cup and knowing that they're there poking their fingers, yeah. it spoils it. I think yeah. I put it's like it's like being at a brilliant barbecue on a summer's day. And then finding out that Robert Mugabe is serving the sausages, <laughs> it just spoils it. And what I was going to what I was going to say was, you know, looking at that kind of the right to education and to health, and you know, it's like the Tories have recently said that they may scrap the Human Rights Act, right? You know, after the next election, you know, and obviously that means, um, you know. We're not going to have a an act which will ensure we have free education, ensure we can marry who we want, we can vote, we can you know be free from torture. Yeah, it's extraordinary that they can that they've managed to spin it in such a way that that they're the victims. Mm. We have to put up with the Human Rights Act. 
we're the victims. That's what that's what that's about, isn't it? Yeah. Look at us. All we want to do is to just is just to deport people for no reason and we're not allowed to like all bullies all bullies like to you know the wife beater likes to claim that they're the victim no one thinks about me she turned the telly over while I was watching the, the snoot go no one thinks about that all about her just got a broken arm it's like that isn't it on well, that human rights theme you know Amnesty International you know, defence freedom of expression, but do you think that there are any topics that we should steer away from and we shouldn't joke about? That we shouldn't joke about? No, I don't think there can be any subjects you can't joke about. It's uh, it's what you say. You're not, you, you can't say you can't joke about it. Well, you can say it, but I don't trust people who say that very much. I think that sort of denigrates the joke as well, doesn't it? Because no one would say you can't write a play about a certain subject. No one would ever ask mm. that question. No one could say, are there some subjects that you really can't write a song about? Mm. No one would say that. Mm. No, no one would. No one ever. I can't imagine anybody ever said to Spielberg after Schindler's List, aren't there some subjects that you really shouldn't make films about? I mean, this is a very serious subject, yeah. Mr. Spielberg. You shouldn't be making <laughs> films about it. It's just sort of, I think, oh, Christ's sake, it's all that's part of culture is to make jokes. It's an important part of it. Um, it, it. You know, just like what the song is matters. If you write a song going, ha ha, the Holocaust was magnificent, I hope we have another one soon, then that clearly is not a song. You know, don't even write that, <laughs> does it? That's wrong and that's poor on every front. But if you... Um, People have written fantastic songs about the most serious subject, and similarly with comedy, you know. I can't see how you could sort of listen to some of Louis C.K. stuff, for example, and say that shouldn't be allowed to be said because it's about serious subjects. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Do you think there are fewer political comedians these days? I don't think there can be fewer political comedians these days. Uh, for two reasons. First of all, I think that it always a question like that always assumes that you're only political if you're talking about things like the Liberal Democrats and you know whatever's been was ever on Prime Minister's questions, and that is a very little interest to very few people. And I don't think I quite understand why people don't want to make jokes about that. And if people do get obsessed with making jokes about politicians all the time, then that's usually pretty poor. I mean, there are some people who've done it magnificently because they've sent up, not what the politicians are saying, but, but the whole aura and uh, most obviously the thick of it, which is fantastic, and um, uh, uh, just portraying these people as the buffoons that they are, mm. albeit struggling to be more absurd than the, the real life all the time, of course. But that... that there's that but the stand-ups you don't want to be talking about politicians I mean most I couldn't tell you that many people in the cabinet so you can't expect people you want to reach wide audience you can't expect everyone to have read the finer points of the mm -hmm. Guardian can you so um, and which which comedians do you enjoy I think there's there's loads. I mean, I'm not an expert on the on the younger comics because I don't I do my own show and I don't see them very often. But 
we did a show for the People's Assembly at Hammersmith Apollo last week, and there were some of the people you would expect there, like Joe Brand and Stuart Lee. Then there was Jason Manford, who I think is a, a really, really good bloke and a good comic. Uh, and Jeremy Hardy was on. You'd expect those people. And then there were some some younger comics as well. And uh, they were great, you know. They, they were great. And I, I don't think there are any... And there's more comedians now than there was. There's mm. 20 mm. times as many comedians as there was 20 years ago. So I it was always like that, you know. There were always some people who just wanted to... But then even that's all right, you know. I mean... You know, no one could have been sort of less profound in what he was saying than Tommy Cooper, but I loved him when I was a kid. I don't, you know, I don't think it's... Yeah. You know, not all comedy has to be about Michael Gove. <laughs> you are allowed to talk about other things as well. And you recently performed at Glastonbury. Yeah. We were just sort of reading that the lack of female comics at oh, the right. festival, Tea in the Park, that's been kind of written about recently and do you think that's true see i'm not an expert on it because i think they're talking about comics at festivals and in clubs and on panel shows and so on certainly the last time i was on have i got news for you i think there was five blokes sat there and that that it would be very unlikely that you would get a panel show where there were five women on there so you know clearly that's Clearly there's a bias and it, it should be, uh, uh, the stick should be sort of bent to make sure that doesn't happen, I, mm. I would think, definitely. You know, it's no good going, oh, there just aren't enough women comics or mm. something. Um, so so clearly, the, you know, clearly the, what they say is, is right to a certain degree. But what I would <clears> say <throat> is that it's not just a matter of... Um, people who run clubs don't book women it's not just that it is because that's a, a reflection of the fact that women are, are this women are put down in society and it makes it harder it's still hard now I mean I, you know I, women comics I know of, of they have a really hard battle in a way that men don't simply because there are lots and lots of blokes in society, in Britain even, which is probably more liberal than a lot of places on this, that really are quite hostile to the idea of laughing at a woman because it's sort of, in a way, it's, it's quite a humble thing, isn't it? If you, if you laugh at someone, mm. it's like you're, you know, you're acknowledging that they are your equal. You know, I'm going to laugh at you, are making me laugh. You know, I'm, you know what I mean? There's something quite humble mm. about it. If you're sort of going, if you want to be dominant over mm. someone, you're not going to admit to them making you laugh. And if there's a sort of bloke who's like, oh, I'm a bloke, Make laugh by what there's I don't quite know I don't pretend yeah. to know how the psychology of it works but I've seen that I've seen that sort of an anger that some people will get you know by the fact that there's a there's a woman on stage and that I mean I've seen it you know with the uh, on the internet and all that you, you know the women columnists they might be writing something not particularly strident about anything and there'll be like 300 comments underneath and loads of them be mm. like, shut up, you slag. Why does it make these people so cross? <laughs> God knows, but uh, uh, definitely the case. So that is, it, it's much harder to become a comic as a woman, mm. even now, I think. 
Well, Mark, it's been really lovely speaking to you. Thank you so much. And um, look forward to seeing more of your tours in different places in the autumn. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm going to go home now. I'm covered in sweat and gunge. (laughs) You've no idea if you've been listening to this how much sweat and gunge I've covered in. (laughs) (laughs) If you're interested in learning more about human rights or joining Amnesty International, then please go to our website, amnesty.org.uk. And make sure you don't miss our next episode. Here's a sneak peek. Life, I, I prefer to treat life as a sort of happy accident. If The thing about, I think with comedy, if I treated it like a job, I'd fall out of love with it mm. kind of really quickly. So I've, I've quite enjoyed the times when I've been away from it.